blinking. Then you start blinking. And the bridesmaid looks and thinks that you're winking. She thinks you're kind of cute. So she winks back. And now you're feeling really fine. Because the girl is stacked. Reception's jumping. Bass is bumping. You look at the girl. And your heart starts thumping. Says she wants to dance to a different groove. Susan? So you know what to do. G! Bust a move! Continue podcast! You want it! You got it! You got it! You want it! Baby, you got it! It's been... It's been in my head all day. I was like, oh, what are we going to do for a slow jam in this week's episode? And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. There it is. I would have I uh, started with your best friend, Harry, yeah. has a brother, Larry. And five days from now, he's going to marry. <laughs> he's hoping you can make it there if you can. Because in the ceremony. <laughs> You'll be the best man. He's hoping <laughs> you can be the, like, shit. I feel like you need to get you his attention. Right? There, there, there would have been a plan. Right? Right? There would have like, been a plan. At least, like, a save the date card. Like, it, I don't. Like, text the guy, I, like, oh, hey, bro. Young MC just keeps it, like, he, he you know, likes to keep it spontaneous. Yeah. He likes to play, play the scene. He's got bust a move. Yeah. It's, uh, it was I. I. <laughs> so, I. I'm striking this one from slow jam eligibility. Okay. <laughs> like I'm going to I'm going to put this out there into the ether. There are the some slow, slow jam jams. rules uh here here on Continue Podcast that we don't talk about because they're all in my brain and they're all arbitrary. Uh but at first this morning I had uh Kumo D's uh Wild Wild West in my head. Okay. And just the chorus when it's repeating wow wow whisk wow wow whisk wow wow <laughs> wait so and i was like can i can i just do that not not the will okay, smith okay, wild, okay, wild, okay, wild, okay 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 this is I'm cool like, OD's wild wild West. all right and i i went back and i was like i like i can't just I, wow wow whisk i i can't just do that so i went and read the lyrics and i was like wow this is like a vicious song about gang violence i can't do any no no <laughs> you could sing no. the will, you could sing the will smith version which yeah. is fun we've for done, the whole we've family done. we've done this will smith wild wild west uh on a previous incarnation of this show this show is the continue podcast a show that is about video games and the things that we love but we take the conversation a little bit further my name is anthony John Agnello, and with me are my my favorite people on the face of the planet. I got Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts, up in here. So I've been listening to a lot of like old seventies R and B and disco lately, seventies nice. and eighties and stuff. Nice. Yeah, just like trying to trying to dig deep. And uh, fun fact: uh, Will half of Will Smith's career has been propped up by the fact that he just uses good songs, like. Oh, like, hey, Welcome to, to Miami is just the whispers and the beat goes on with yeah. him rapping about Miami over it. Yeah. It's like, like th that song, like, I had no idea because, I mean, I grew up as yeah. a 90s kid and I'd only heard Miami. It's Which like, is a oh, terrible yeah. goddamn song. It's yeah, so bad. It's, it's, so, it's bad, but it's like, oh, that's why he sells, like, platinum records because he just uses other platinum records. <laughs> 
as like the complete backbone of everything that he does. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's a smart move. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, if you're gonna do something, and I guess I guess he doesn't try to deny it. He and you know, yeah. Jazzy Jeff is. A disc jockey. Yeah. Dave. It's right yeah. there in his name. Like, uh, what was it? Men in Black is literally just Forget Me Nots. It's just yeah, the yeah, song. Yeah, Men it's in Black li- is just Forget Me Nots. Uh, what else has he done? Like, just a bunch of them. I remember there's an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel Air where it's like, uh, Girls Are Nothing But Trouble, and it's literally just the, the Wheel of Fortune theme. He's <laughs> 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 just <laughs> rapping over it. That's the chorus. It's yeah. That's I Dream of Genie, sweetheart. Oh, that's right. I, yeah. The uh, the, they the, all sound the w- same. woman the woman you hear correcting Dave about, <laughs> about his, <laughs> his mi- mis- <laughs> misogynistic 1960s sitcoms is <laughs> none other than Susan Arndt. I'm torn now between whether or not I should give you my I Dream of Genie trivia. Oh, or, snap. Yeah, absolutely. quote, another Will Smith joint, yo, back up now. Give a brother room. The fuse is lit, and I'm about to go boom. <laughs> boom, boom, set up, jump the room. Uh, uh, boom, boom, wait, shake wait. the room. Thank you very much. Bill, uh, Bill, see, I'm just, I'm just get... wrong left and right. You are. Well, I, okay, Bill, Will Smith is from get... Philadelphia. He's kind of a thing where I'm from, so... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, so get, yeah, the ridiculousness on I Dream of Jeannie is that she they put her in that ridiculous costume, but she wasn't allowed to show her belly button. Yes. What? Yeah, yeah. they edited it out. No, Was no. Was it edited her, or just no, they covered pants, it? Her pants were, were high enough to cover her navel. Oh, that's so weird. Right? It was a simpler time. Uh, Bill, I was going to ask, can you please get the I Dream of Jeannie blinking sound effect? Right here? <laughs> <laughs> can we just get the beep beep? Um, I, I definitely, uh, that, that Nick at Night really got me with that show. I watched a lot of it and I, let me just say, without being gross, I could imagine the belly button. I just okay. could. That's, that's, you know, I could. Yep. That's where my youth went. I just that's wanted a, her oh, rad house in the bottle. Cause that looked like a yeah, really cool so bag. cool. See, okay. I think Bewitched is way more hateful. <laughs> than I Dream of Genie, because nobody's forced to live inside of a bottle and be subservient, but the both the, the woman and her mom are just portrayed as just punishing human beings on Bewitched. It's just not... It's not kind. Okay, not but good. human beings are idiots, so... That's I mean, touche. all right, and Dora is perhaps <laughs> a little extra. A little bit much. Yeah, yeah, but I mean... We're not a yeah. we're not a bright species. <laughs> I can't I can't disagree yeah, with yeah. that. That is uh, an appropriate starting place <laughs> for our first subject today. Uh, so in the past week, I have been playing We Happy Few, uh, and We Happy Few. I, I think people forget how long this game has been. In it's been a while. Forever. It, it, it has been a, a good four plus years at this point. Four years since the early access version of the game was playable. Yeah, so that's uh, so it's been a development longer than four years. Longer than yeah. that, exactly. We're 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 talking we're talking the better part of this decade. This game has been in production. If you're not familiar with it, it's uh, a game by 
some ex-Bioshock devs, some real de- video game industry designer all-stars, and the premise of the game has always fascinated me. I've, I've always been all in uh, on the premise. Uh, this shit's right up my alley. This shit's right up your alley, Dave, and you, Susan. Mm-hmm. It's, it's super 1960s, early 70s British horror science fiction. The idea is that it's taken place in the mid-60s, but in a scenario where Great Britain lost World War II so badly that the British Isles are just a complete wasteland. It's just uh, an economic and environmental disaster across the entire place. Uh, The rest of the world's not... It's not like... It's hard to call it post-apocalyptic. It's just that... Britain has been wrecked. And fast forward from the 1940s, after this loss, they're not ruled from the outside, they're ruled from within uh, by, at least in some more civilized sections, a a group of people uh, who have created a drug called Joy. And Joy makes you feel feel real nice. And it makes everything sunny and happy and good. It's like if a Clockwork Orange's uh, brainwashing scheme actually worked. And everybody who's on Joy sees the world as a madcap, day-glow, mod-fashion, exquisite world. But that is fascistic and vicious and cruel. And when the game starts, you're playing as a person named Arthur, who is a downer. Uh, and not just because uh, he he doesn't like the Beatles. Uh, Shut <laughs> your face! They're not that uh, fucking good. <laughs> uh, he's he's a a group of people are referred to as downers because they either refuse to take joy and only want to see the world as it is, or joy stops working for them. Oh, and they're sort of I didn't know that was something out. that was possible. Yeah, and they establish it right at the beginning of the game. I, I'm I'm keeping it pretty spoiler light for people here. I'm really only going to be talking about stuff that you find out at the very beginning. Yeah, they they people find out that joy is uh, because society is deteriorating so quickly because the people who aren't in these communities using joy don't have anything. They have no resources to sort of rebuild, and the people who are on joy can't really function that well. Uh, But the joy that is being produced is not full strength anymore, so it's just not working for some people. Arthur is, at the very beginning, turning into a downer. He's at, like, a staff... His job is he censors old information, old newspaper articles and books in, in the remaining archives so that people don't see things that are bad or contradictory to the the joy ruling class. Uh, And he's invited to like a staff birthday party at the center for people who redact information. And they're smashing a pinata. And as they're smashing the pinata, skip ahead a few minutes, everybody, if you don't want to hear this for the first five minutes of the game. Uh, They're smashing the pinata. His joy is wearing off and they're not eating candy. They just busted open a rat with a baseball bat. That was an E3, though, so that's not a huge spoiler. Yeah, yeah, it's not a huge spoiler. It's just just at the beginning. Yeah. So super cool. And then you're out into the world, and you're, you know, it's a, it it is Bioshock-ish, a prey 
uh, Dishonored, that type of game where you're, you know, sort of presented with multiple challenges and tasked with, uh, tasked. You did it. I did it. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. It's been a long week. Uh, (laughs) Um... You, you have to figure out your solution to problems. Are you going to try to be diplomatic? And there's a lot of, like, more hard role-playing stuff. Like, you need to eat food and drink water and all that nonsense. Very cool setting. Very cool world. And I'm, I'm very taken with, you know, the setup. And as clunky as a lot of the, the raw mechanical stuff is, I, I'm interested in keeping going. However, the writing. Oh, no is distractingly bad. Oh! Like, get, do and you have I, an example? Okay. So this is, this, this happened to me within the first 45 minutes of the game, and this is, this is what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, the moment where something, a game is otherwise fantastic, but there is the one thing. Mm. You won't believe this one thing. <laughs> Uh, and it, it, it's, it gets in your craw. And for a lot of people, they'd probably be able to get past it, but you can't. 45 minutes in, Arthur, like the worst protagonists, has a habit of talking to himself. <laughs> and he talks to himself a lot. And just as soon as you're in the sort of first open ex- exploration area, he's like, if I'm on a drug... That changes my mood. Am I still me? Oh God! Is there such a thing as a true self? Oh, my oh God. no! This sounds like like something happened behind the scenes, and like they Blade Runnered it. Like they got Harrison, they dragged Harrison Ford back to the voiceover booth <laughs> no, so, to do narration so, to explain the movie you're watching. It, it's so much worse than the old Blade Runner narration, though. It's so brazenly on the nose. I, I, like, mm. I want to be like, guys, look, you already presented me with an opening scene. You've given me the visual context of a world that took, like, antidepressants and mood-altering drugs to the furthest, scariest extreme. I get it. I get what you're doing. But shit like that keeps mm. happening. Oh, no. And, and I, at first, I thought to myself, well, maybe it's a bit. Like, maybe Arthur is coming out into the world, and the point is, is that he's, he's a fucking dunce. But... <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you, when you have your character description of him, the description of Arthur is that, you know, like, like many Arthurs in British sci-fi, uh, like, he is... You know, just sort of an average Joe. Like, one of his abilities is if he sits on a park bench and, like, starts reading a newspaper, he'll blend into the background and people ignore him. Yeah. It's cute, right? That's clever! Yeah. And then somebody fucking opens their mouth in this game. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, like, I don't think it's a bit. And I'm gonna keep playing. Mm. Like, I I, I haven't played that much. So I'm gonna keep going. But it doesn't seem to be getting better. And, like, one of the very first, the ve- pretty much the first quest that you're given is you're going to try to get back into this village. Now that you're out in the wilderness, uh, there is a man who has a passcode that'll let you get over a bridge. And he is a World War II veteran. Okay. And his medals have been stolen by a gang of Lost Boys. 
and you bring him back to me bring them back to him and he's like you understand that these are important i know it doesn't matter anymore but it was important to me that we fought oh, and i was like god. oh my god why is this happening <laughs> but i so like that's the thing like this the, the rest of the game the water is poisoned for me i can't yeah. i can't look past this element and it's not like like it's not universal not all the writing is that bad a lot of the incidental text you know there's a lot of you find letters and diaries mm. and you know, all the things that you find in this sort of uh adventure game and the writing is very good but it, it, i can't like i dread when somebody starts to talk and I'm realizing, well, the chief pleasure in this game is story-based. Like, yeah, like, figuring out a challenge. And I just can't get out of there. And Dave, I started thinking about your experience playing Deus Ex, a very oh, similar yeah. game. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you could sit there and say, like, man, I really admire the dialogue and the way these systems interact. But you hated the environment. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't get away from the fact that the the environment itself felt so artificial mm. that you couldn't stop thinking about that the entire time you play. So, I, you know, my question for both of you is, I, d does this happen to you regularly? And are you ever able to get past it? Can you move beyond the the one thing that is imperfect about a game, but glaring to your taste? You know, Dave, for you, you know, I, I know that you, you don't look back on Deus Ex fondly. No, I mean, like, it just, it felt very, like, disposable to me. And uh, th there was a lot of reasons for that, though. Like, the story, like, for the story had no, like, didn't really end. Mm. So there's that. So, like, it just felt like nothing mattered. But uh, I'm actually playing a game that I'm feeling very similarly about right now called Chasm. Mm. It's a uh, it's a two D. It's another. It's another. There's a, a lot of these Metroidvanias coming out this year. Too many. Too many Metroidvanias. <laughs> but this one has uh, also uh, got some like procedurally generated stuff. Yeah, too, right? procedurally it's... generated stuff. Um, it's it, like it, another another game that's like Kickstarter darling four years ago, and then just took forever to get made, and like. I like the way that it looks. The pixel art is gorgeous. I like the like the combat's a little stiff, but it's not bad. Uh, the The abilities are rote, but they work, and you can see how everything uh, like like oh, if I go over here, there's a there's a secret. But I don't know why the procedural generation exists, hmm. and it's all I can think about because the the game what it does is it generates a a world for you. And you, when you die, you still exist in this world that the game has generated for you. You can turn on permadeath if you want, but it's not default. Uh, it's basically like, okay, you hit the start button, it rolls some dice, and then it goes, okay, here's your dungeon. Mm. And this is where you're going to be spending 8 to 10 hours of the game. Game. Like, the, the game. And, like, yeah, the game that I play will be different from someone else's. But the pieces that they use to build that world aren't interesting enough. Ugh. So it ju it's just like, why? Why yeah. didn't you just make a handcrafted game that <clears throat> felt unique and special, 
because there's just too many rooms where you're like, oh, it's here's just a hallway of enemies. Here's just a hallway of enemies. And oh. then you get up, and then here's a, here's a puzzle room that you solve and you get an item. And then you never go back there. Uh, so it's, it's just like, and, and like I'm playing this, it's like, I can't get it out of my head. Everything about this game is like mechanically, like, like mechanical junk food. Like it is just me going, oh, no, 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 Metroidvania summertime. I'm going to forget about this when I'm done with it, but I'm enjoying the moment except for the little thing. Like mm-hmm. you should have just made, should have just built it, just yeah. had, had built it. And like, I, I can't get it. I stopped playing it because it's all I could think about. Yeah, so, yeah. For me, when this happens, it, it ruins it. It like I I once that sort of niggling aspect of it gets into my brain, and I start focusing on it. I just can't outrun it. Susan, does this has this happened to you in recent memory? Have you have you gotten caught up on something? It not. I don't know what. If you're talking about stuff like I can't turn my my game critic brain off. No, I've gotten real good at that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I can do no problem. But it will, I, you know, if it, it will be something like if there's one particular voice actor that I just can't stand. That's a perfect example. Yeah, and I like if I can't mute it or or whatever because I don't want to have to turn the sound completely off because I want the yeah. music and the ambient sound and the what have you. So if it, if there's just that one character that you're stuck with. Mm-hmm. And their their acting is, and it's not even about it being bad necessarily, because yeah. I can deal with bad acting. Obviously, hi, I'm a Resident yeah. Evil fan, but <laughs> it's and it's it's usually in a JRPG, and they're they're doing the trope. <laughs> not it's even it's time. <laughs> you know, like oh 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 that that game that was on Wii U that you both liked, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. There it is. Yeah. Yep. yeah. The, 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 oh my god. That one I could oh, at man. least turn the voices off. But, yeah. but, yeah. but he'd start, you have to do random battles and he'd wipe his nose. He'd oh, wipe god. his nose at yeah. the beginning of every fight and I couldn't. I'm like, no, I cannot do 80 hours of this asshole wiping his nose. I can't. <laughs> okay. So we, we talked about this offline. We yeah. haven't talked about this on the show yet, but Susan, I know that you said that you weren't really connecting with Octopath Traveler. Correct. And so I played the three-hour demo mm-hmm. of Octopath Traveler and was like, I really enjoyed that. I really liked what was here. I know we talked about this in the show. I was like, into it. And then I got it. I've played six hours, so I doubled that time, and I can't bring myself to keep playing it. And the reason is, yeah. you can turn off all the voice acting, which I did immediately. All of you, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear... It I, I, doesn't matter. I tried both the Japanese and the English language. Don't want to hear what you have to say. Uh, it's the pacing of the dialogue, oh, no. the way it's doled out to you yeah. in every scene where people talk to each other. Like, every single time there's a story thing... And I, like, it's five minutes long, and I know that if you just sped it the fuck up, yep. this would be a two and a half minute scene, and I can't, I can't get past it. Like, I love the fights, I love the world, I love the look, I love the music, I like the characters, but just that, just that, the and you can only crank up the dialogue speed so much, yep. and it's, once it's in there, it's, it's stuck. 
it's stuck. I I would be very interested to see what our you know our audience are. If you're listening to this and you're thinking like you guys are assholes, uh, I'm able to overlook imperfections like this all the time. I want to hear about this because I can think of all all sorts of counterexamples where I look at a game and be like, the writing is trash in this, and I oh, don't yeah. care. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and this is this is a deep cut. But I don't know. Do you guys remember a game called Dark Sector? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. With the glaive. The glaive. Yes. Dark Sector is a burning trash Oh, it's terrible. A fucking awful game. Awful. And the, like, the best thing, like, if you're, like, writing the back of the box text, you could be like, uh, it's got the guy who played Lex on Smallville and a glaive. You like Kroll, right? That's well, yeah. That's, it's yeah. That's, that's what, it's what got. you lead with that glaive, glaive. You've seen Crow, right? Glaive. I love that game. I love it so much. It's fucking great, and I watch all the cutscenes when I play it because <laughs> I want to. I want to see them all over again, dude. Bionic Commando, the remake. Like oh, that's no. that hot dog wife arm. The main character has got like like that gruffy McBlanderson. Yeah. Like he's just angry about. Nothing in particular, <laughs> but man, the swinging's so good. The swinging's so Dave, it's I don't so know, good. I don't, know, I don't know when the last time you went back to that one was, but um, has it not? Has the swinging not held up? It is. You know, people called it a trash fire at the time, but they were like, "It's an admirable trash fire." It is not an admirable trash fire. The swinging I played, is. So I bought it for twenty bucks, and I was like, "That was a fine way to spend." No, no, twenty dollars. Uh, a long so time ago. The white, the wife arm. Uh, in Bionic Commando, is a miraculous place to transition. <laughs> because <laughs> if, you, if you struggle, if you struggle through the nightmare hellscape of Bionic Commando 2009's endless load screens and bullshit shooting mechanics and, fo- and, and like fog and that falling, kills you and fog that kills you for no reason, if you get to it, if you get, get to the ending... You are told that Gruff McGrufferson, corn band hair, Bionic Commando himself, that his arm is fucking made out of his dead wife. Yep. At no point does he show any sign of knowing this is the case earlier in the game. It is the kind of thing that M. Night Shyamalan would look at and be like, all right, that's a little bit that's much. A, that's, a, a, <laughs> that's a little... <laughs> Look, I wrote Lady in the Water, and this is too much it's a lot. for me, sir. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, Bionic Commando shows a lot of promise. Does not end well. Susan, you... Oh, yeah. You, there was a little thing, that one little thing that you couldn't get past with Dying Light. Uh-huh. And it's the, it's the shit show of an ending. And that's really the only way to put it, is the shit show <laughs> of an ending. Okay! <laughs> I'm gonna take you on a journey. Okay. <laughs> I spent, all in all, about 80 hours playing Dying Light. And that's not doing all of the side quests. I didn't clean out any quarantine zones. I didn't do any missions at night. I, I mostly just did the story and, and some other stuff that I felt like doing along the way. And I loved it. And the thing I loved about it was it's an extremely flexible game with regard to your play style. It, it, the going out at night 
gets you double the experience, which you can then level up faster and get access to new abilities and new gear faster. But there's an, an type a breed of zombie that only comes out at night that is ridiculously difficult to kill. That's going to be important in a minute. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. But if you want to... <clears throat> And these are Walking Dead zombie rules. So, you know, if you use a gun, noise attracts them, shoot them in the head, that kind of stuff. There are guns if you want to use guns. If you want to use a big, heavy melee weapon that does tons of damage but is really slow, cool. If you want to do a one-handed weapon and a shield, you can do that. You can do arrows. You can use the environment. You can use elemental stuff. You can just be completely sneaky. Lots and lots of flexibility with regard to the order you do things in, how you do them. And of course, there's the parkour mixed in with all of it. And the parkour works extremely well. And so if you just want to run away, you can do that too. And what generally happens is you do a combination of things, depending on the situation that you're in. By the time I get to the end of the game, my personal favorite move is to take out one zombie on the edge of a mob very, very quietly, so nobody notices, camouflage myself in the guts, and then just go through the mob, snapping necks, snapping necks. Oh, hey, snappy neck. Oh, hey, snappy neck. And I'm just dropping them, just dropping them, dropping them. And I kill one, more guts to freshen up my costume. <coughs> snappy neck, snappy neck. And I'm having a ball. I'm loving it. And if things get hairy for some particular reason, I have an assault rifle with me. And I can do that and then just book it. Because now I also have a grappling hook. pa And I'm up on a roof. This is great. This is my reward for having put in 79 hours worth of work. Doing all these, taking all these missions and doing all this stuff and leveling myself up to this point. This is my reward. All of this freedom to kick ass. The story is actually quite engaging. Uh, you are uh, originally uh, a GRE agent. You are sent to the city of Haran, which is uh, experiencing this zombie outbreak. Your goal when you get there is to find research into this. Turns out you're on the wrong side because the people who sent you in want the research to weaponize zombieism. They're, they're Wayland Utanying. They are Wayland Utanying the shit out of this. Yes. So uh, you eventually team up with the locals to F those guys and actually take care of the people of Haran. Awesome. Very cool. One guy who went a little nutso after his brother uh, was bitten and went zombie is named Rise. He has fashioned himself as a warlord of Haran. He has been making your life hell. You finally get to... He has killed several of your friends in front of you. Is he like a, is he like a Vosh? Uh... Very much so. He's not yeah. that crazy, but that, that ethos. Yes. yes. Got it. Okay. So, you get to the point in the game where you've, you've gotten the research to the people who need it to actually maybe cure people. Uh, you've You've done. You've you've saved the city of Haran from being uh, carpet bombed by the GRE. All that's left is for you to finally kill Rise, that motherfucker. It should be very satisfying. Mm. It's not, and here's why. <laughs> Rise is at the top 
of a uh, skyscraper that is still currently under construction. Okay, that's fine. I got a grappling hook. Oh no, sorry. You're too tired to use it right now. What? What? I am? They malariaed you? Can I, can I take a nap? What? I, like, have an orange juice? What? Nope. Nope. There will be no using of the grappling hook. Well, it just says, oh, you're too tired. Yep. What they did, they folded in at certain points of the game. This has no bearing on the game at all. But at certain points, uh, because you were bitten by a zombie in the very beginning of the game, you start having having attacks, oh, and it oh, weakens you, you. You have the vapors? You have the vapors. They yeah. tried to do the Far Cry 2, you have malaria. You yeah. Have to, but it's not like it never nope. really comes up outside of story moments? No, not at, not at all. It just means that in that particular location, you can't use your grappling hook. Oh, that's so dumb. That's okay. so dumb. Right. Okay, you what? Okay, you. I'll give you that. You want to make it, you don't want me to be able to skip whatever encounters I'm going to I, have I, on the way. I'd up. rather have Domestic Samus. I'd rather right. have, I'd rather have an arbitrary, like, man being like, you can't use that right now. Now, okay, now, uh, you have squared off against Rise's lieutenants in, before this, at various points in the story. Same thing happens every time. They take away all your shit, and you have to use whatever is at hand to fight. Which is like, oh shit, I found a rock. Okay. Like, you can come in with 40 different weapons and nine med kits and whatever, doesn't matter. They're taking all of it and you have to, all right, fine. I don't, <laughs> I don't see how that's fair. That's bullshit. But the good thing is, the only reason I, I'm not furious about that, his, he- your opponent's health stays at whatever damage you've done to him. But if you die, you respawn with 100 health. Mm. So you can muscle your way through it. Fine. It's not fun, but whatever. That's what I was expecting with Rise. No, 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 no. You get to the ground floor of this high rise. He has turned all of his soldiers into zombies. So there are hundreds of zombies in between you on the ground floor and the top floor where he is. That in and of itself is okay. Because, like, yeah, it should be a big fight at the end, right? And I got all this gear. Oh, but you're not supposed to fight them. You have to run away. Oh, that's the worst. Yep. So you have to run. I mean, you you can stay and fight, but they're just going to keep respawning. You will never kill all of them. Fine. All right, so I'm running through the building, running through the building. Okay, okay, fine, I'm running through the building. That actually is not emotionally satisfying, but it's not a terrible gameplay moment. And then you're in the sewers. Mm. At the be- And there are sections to going up this high-rise. This current section starts with a particular zombie that is a dead infant who, when it cries, it's like a banshee in Left 4 Dead, It stuns you, so you can't run, you can't use your weapons, you can't do anything. So you first have to make sure you kill this thing. Either kill it or smother it. So that's fun. Smothering a baby, that's what I like doing. Why the nighttime zombies now drop in, who can say? Maybe they were bored. Maybe they were like, you know, I, I don't like the idea of sitting this final thing out. I don't think it's fair. Just because it happens during the day, I feel like we should be represented. 
So you have to run through this section of sewer with four to six of the nighttime zombies on your back. You cannot stop at any moment or you will be overwhelmed. Mm. So you have to parkour your way up ledges, across I-beams, across planks of wood, narrow pipes, and do jumps to ladders, to shelves, to narrow pipes, to... Yeah. If you fall once, if you don't make one jump, you're dead. And you have to start over. That sounds awesome. Uh, (laughs) This is one quick time event away from being the worst... It's funny you mentioned that! Oh, no! No! So I... That's impossible! I make it through... It took me at least 30 attempts to do this thing. Like, the night I was playing it, I'm like, okay, I need to put this aside. I had actually, at that moment, decided I will just look up the ending on YouTube. Fuck this game. This This is such a betrayal of the 79 hours of gameplay that came before it. Fuck this game. Uh, but I, I tried it the next morning, and I finally made it through it. I'm like, well, at least the fight with Rise will be cool. Wrong! <laughs> it's a quick no. time event. It's no. a quick time event. You don't get to pull a weapon. You don't get to even take a swing at him. It's just a quick time event. <clears throat> Thank you. It's the only one in the entire game. That's what you get. There's no others in the entire game? <laughs> They pull out the... Oh, come on, man. Oh. Yeah. And so what what this did was I'm like, wait a minute. How do you make a game that's so well-crafted as everything else in this game and then give me this piece of shit ending? How does that happen? Did you, did you run out of time? Did you run out of resources? Did you just not know what to do because you yeah. don't know... Did you not know how to balance it because you don't know how the player is going to be at that stage like what the hell happened that you dropped the ball on the one yard line see now there are examples where that's that is the case and like not like not uh and i'm assuming that as the audience you will see developers in postmortems mm-hmm. say many times like bioshock mm-hmm. is the fa- famous example yeah. they, like yeah, we just like bioshock they didn't think anybody would get to the ending they didn't yeah they didn't think anybody would play there right um they, my favorite example is uh, a boy and his blob for mm. Wii, the one with the hug button, which is the like basically the entire uh, Shovel Knight staff. Uh, all the people that are Yacht Club games were at Way Forward made that game, and the the director said uh, in in an interview afterwards, he's he said there is a very good chance that most people will get stuck in one of three game-breaking bugs oh, in the no. last stage. That the last stage is, if you're just unlucky when you go go on your run, you literally can't <gasps> get through it. No! Because they didn't playtest the final level at all before shipping. Majesco said, you're out of money. Oh, no. Ship it. And I've played through that Wii version start to finish. And it took me about two hours to get through that for that final level because it would just keep breaking. Mm. But what you're describing is it, like this isn't Dying Light isn't that. Mm-mm. Dying Light is committing what I consider to be the cardinal sin of game endings, which is the negation mm-hmm. of everything that came before mm-hmm. in the interests of 
trying to create some kind of ill-advised narrative spectacle, you take away all of the pleasures of the gameplay loop, all the rewards that you were describing, Susan, we were like, I have learned how to be in the world in this way, and now I'm pulling it all off, uh, just so that you can say, oh, we did the cool cinematic thing. And I understand, like, the impulse towards the cinematic thing, but the, the cinematic thing has to be reflective of what came before it. When you brought this topic up before we were recording, saying, like, let's talk about games that failed to stick the landing, I immediately went back in my head to our conversation about God of War. Mm. And how, you know, when you finish new God of War, I was like, please tell me about the bosses, please tell me about the ending, mm-hmm. because the worst part of the original God of War is you get through the entire game, and all of a sudden, for the final boss, it just says, and now it's a wrestling game <laughs> with completely new wrestling game mechanics that don't make any sense at all. Just because we want big boss fight. I don't, I don't understand. I, I understand that any creative act, sticking the landing in any creative act is arguably the hardest part of besides course. starting, right? Yeah. It's starting and ending are the hardest parts of the process. And it's exhausting. You know, making anything is, is so tiring. And game developers, especially game developers working on something on the scale of Dying Light, are stuck uh, with the economic realities of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not making that ending until until the end of their process. But you gotta you gotta sit there and look at your design documents and be like, we shouldn't do this. This is a bad idea. The thing is, I would give them one or the other. Like, let me fight my way to the top, and then I will happily do your quick time event sure. because you can't figure out how to. That's fine. That honestly wouldn't bother me at all. But I've I've combed because the, there's stuff hidden throughout the world. There's blueprints hidden all over the place, and some of them are really hidden. I found mm. a blueprint for stasis hand grenades. Right? How like how awesome is that? And you got to you have to have collected all sorts of materials to be able to make them. And I did because I'd been doing that the whole game and I didn't awesome. have an opportunity to use them because I had to just keep running and then do a quick time event. That yeah, blows. And they, they, yeah, taking away taking away all of your it's not just taking away all of your toys. It's yeah. taking away all of your skills. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, and, and games can blow this even when it's not a frenetic action setting. Like, mm-hmm. you, can, you can blow this in the exact same way when it's just story-based, you know? Um, I think about, like, the end of Metal Gear Solid 4. Not to bring up Hideo Kojima again, <laughs> but... And, you know, the end of Metal Gear Solid 4 is so bananas and so over the top and so like it's probably the best part of the game as far as i'm concerned Mm because it's so absurd uh it is it is a you know air show it is a monster truck rally of a video game and you know it's so much fun to be do like the last fight is just a dumb fist fight on yeah. top of a giant well, no, fucking the robot. La- the last fight is the hour and a half cutscene. Yeah, you the have last fight is the hour. <laughs> well, uh, that's what I was gonna say. That's what I was gonna say. You do the final fight, and it's so dramatic and hilarious, and then he makes you fucking watch an actual feature length movie <laughs> for no or, reason. Or like. <laughs> 
I feel weird. <laughs> Not weird, but like, I don't want to beat this dead horse, but like, some would argue that the Phantom Pain shipped unfinished. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That like, sure, you could say like, oh, Kojima's intention, and oh, there, are inter- yeah. there are interviews in the art book where he has quotes, he's like, I want to leave the player feeling unfulfilled, and you're like, yeah, you Mission did it. Mission accomplished, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. But also, like, the, the nature of the, the, the way that that game wraps up isn't just the, the, that you don't get that final moment of closure with the boss. Not just that, like, the story just kind of meanders until you get the final cutscene. It's that the way that you get there is literally replaying harder versions of missions that you've already done. That, that like that. that yeah like the only way to get there is like oh here's an extreme version of that no, mission no, and you're like okay, you. like that you, okay you're literally padding here mm-hmm. and 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 then not to say you know there's the 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 cutscene for or the video in this only available in the special edition of the game that gives you the voice acting and um storyboards and, yeah and the storyboards for what the final mission would have been uh. Yeah, and I I will say in that case that the you know having seen the stuff that was cut, I don't think that's a, a, a good ending. Like no. I, it felt it like I'm glad that it's not in the game. It's that other stuff. It's that that needless padding to make you get there. I like what are not to put you guys on the spot because we didn't discuss this ahead of time. But what is your favorite game ending of all time? Like what is the best ending you've ever seen in a video game? I mean, I know mine off the top of my head. It's Earthbound. Like, it's why it's my favorite game. Oh, yeah. Because there it's like, like, mm. like, literally, they put your brain... Okay, spoilers, I mean, it's a 25-year-old game. But, like, it's... Uh, they put your brain inside of robot bodies. You go uh, into... Was it the past? You go, you, yeah, like, yeah. thousands of years into the past to fight this universe-ending alien amorphous blob of a monster... Yeah, a primordial fetus. None of your attacks work. You have oh, to right. pray yeah. Yeah. to the to your friends and family and anyone who will listen, including you, the player, for help. Please help. We can't beat this boss. It's too much for us to do, even with everything that we've experienced so far. And then you beat the game, and then you get to explore the entire world, and and every single person in the game has something new to say to you. Every oh, single that's person. cool. And then you make your way home, and you 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 finish with uh, with a slice of your favorite food that you entered in the beginning of the game, and, you go, and you go to bed. It's amazing. It is like it is it is the perfect culmination of this journey about going out and and finding yourself and then coming home. Uh, it's it's like I don't and all that's th- those are all of those little pieces put together are all of the pieces of the game that came before yeah like that's all a reflection of what you've been doing yeah there's there's an ability that like paula has called prey that you don't really use all that much yeah until you do yeah susan what's yours uncharted 4 oh what a great ending yeah oh my god anyway you know what i know that we go on this rant collectively as a group but people who say uncharted 4 is bad or fucking idiot, idiot, idiot. I'm done with, I'm done with yeah. a lot of them because it's great, and I love that. Oh man, that's so good. It's you love pushing it's, those boxes around. Just, 
I'm joking. I'm not. The the as anyone, if you've been married for any length of time, <laughs> you relate to Uncharted Four. <laughs> you because I mean the 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 thing. It's funny because the uh, a, a friend of mine, former friend of mine, I should say, uh, complained about you know the scene with Elena when Elena finds out that uh, Nate's been lying to her. Mm. She's such a bitch. Like, excuse me? Whoa. What? Yeah. She's dealing with an addict. She is exactly. like the most exactly. Exactly. Forgiving. And it's like, it, it didn't matter what he lied about. Yeah. It's he that he about, did. Yeah, it's not like, you know, oh, uh, I, I said I was uh, coming home and instead I went into the arcade. No, he's lying about using, yeah. basically. Yeah. And, you know, well, when she said, we'll talk about it later, I'm like, no, no. in that instance, she means... We'll talk about it later because we have to deal with something else right now. But you and I are going to have a conversation because we are in this relationship that is more than just I'm mad at you right now. And it's it's like, God, so perfectly done. Like, Susan, I know that your like favorite scene in all the video game history is in Uncharted 3 when they're in the office together and Elena and Nate reconnect. But all of the pathos... And heart and truth of that moment is reflected in the ending of that game, too. When Exactly, exactly. And it feels like, that, talking about rewards again, this is your reward for taking the journey with Nathan and Elena yeah. the entire this, time. Yeah. This, this, <laughs> this was the point. This was the point the whole freaking goddamn time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, not to bring up Hollow Knight again. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> I just I'm, I'm just is this a new Yakuza? I'm, is this happening? I'm gonna throw it out there because you know we we were talking a little bit in the pre-show about how that ending is crazy difficult. It's and I I want to highlight that one because that final boss like this is a mechanical thing where mm. you are put into a situation where you have to think about everything that you have done for 30 hours in terms of movement and pitting yourself against this this frightening being like the name of the true final boss is the radiance which i love as the name of of a thing that you have to conquer the radiance that sounds (laughs) metal oh it's hollow knight's metal is Fuck, man. It is... Oh, God. It's just... It's so... It's an Iron Maiden cover that's been left in a landfill for 40 years. It's (laughs) awesome. Uh, But yeah, like, like it's it's so immensely rewarding to engage in every single different skill you've learned. It's, It's the antithesis of the Dying Light ending. And then... No long... No hour long cutscene. No giant thing. Just... Just a beautiful brief fade out and it lets the gameplay speak for everything that came before it. it's just so fucking good unlike the ending of metal gear solid 4 <laughs> dave let's talk about the fact that you can't even play metal gear solid 4 anymore nope i let it go let it go so yeah yeah i let it go so i've I don't know if it's like a like it's it's I mean it's a mental thing obviously it's uh, but it's this feeling that I've got too much stuff in my life you know just too many things 
And I was just looking around, kind of taking stock of the things that I have. And I'm just like, what if I just got rid of most of it? Not most, not all of it. Uh, but enough of it that, that like, the things that I had, I would no longer have access to in a, in a real and meaningful way. Not just, like, getting rid of our game, but, like, like getting rid of consoles. Mm. And uh, I, uh, I've been thinking about since, you know, I'm not really... I mean, we fun around on the podcast and stuff, but I'm not really in the games industry. Anymore. I have a normal job that I go to. Uh, and I don't have the time to, like, talk about or consume games and game media that I used to. And I'm thinking, like, what if I just got rid of all this stuff and became, like, I have to have a computer. Mm -hmm. What if I just got games on my PC and just, like, got like got rid of everything, got a nice laptop, and that's just what I play games mm -hmm. on. And, like... If a game doesn't come to a thing that I don't, or if a game comes to a thing that I don't have and it's not on PC, that like, would I be okay with that? And the answer that I'm finding more and more is yes. Like, so I was looking at the games that I have on my PS4, and I'm like, I'm looking at all of these things. I'm like, which of of all of these games that I own currently in my digital library, which of these would I absolutely miss if I didn't have this thing? Metal Gear's on PC. I can't even play Metal Gear Solid 4, 2, or 3 on anything other than my PS3. Uh, and I wanted to just get rid of that. Uh, Yakuza, which is coming to PC now, like they just, they just, uh, they, they didn't announce it, but it was in an, uh, an investor report mm -hmm. that Yakuza 6 will be coming to PC. So I imagine that the rest will follow eventually. Uh, Kingdom Hearts. Ooh. Uh, but like again, it's like okay, so I I could play these. I, I think that I I, I think it's, at some at some it. point you'll have a you'll have a chance to play Kingdom Hearts on a PC. I think that yeah, that's, like, that and that's seems like, like an Square inevitability, seems yeah. to be moving in that direction too. Like Dragon Quest Eleven is coming out day and yep. date on PS4 mm -hmm. and and PC, and it's just like I'm. It's not that I want to give up games entirely. Like I've been playing games since I was a Wii one. <clears throat> They're, I feel like they're just a part of who I am as a person and the things that I like to do. But I don't need to be that guy that owns all the consoles. Anymore. Yeah. And like having to take stock of the, okay, this is what I have access to. These, and, and saying like, okay, it, I, I don't have to play these games anymore. Mm. Like Metal Gear, Metal Gear was the big one. Like I had the Legacy Collection. It had all of them except for uh, Rising and Five, and I was like, "No, I like I've played these so many times. I have the memories of those things, and if they release them on PC or something, sure, I'll get them again. But do I really need to? Do I have the time even to play Metal Gear Solid Four again in its entire? Like, no, I don't. So, like, I I guess my question is." Do you, like do you guys ever go through this this need to purge I guess of of the things that you have I know Susan you you had to remove because you had a bunch of stuff I um, I did but but I'll tell you okay so for those who may not be aware um, when I lived in Pennsylvania I was an avid video game collector I had thirty eight different consoles I had over a thousand games I had a bunch of 
you know, peripheral kind of stuff like dolls and shirts and, and whatever. And when I moved to North Carolina, I had to leave about 90% of it behind. And when I got to North Carolina and I, and I shipped it because I only had a little car and the entire back seat was taken up by my cat's carrier. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't bring it with me. So I shipped what I could <laughs> afford to ship. And left the rest. And when it showed up in North Carolina, I just opened the box and I just cried and cried and cried because I was recognizing all the stuff that wasn't there anymore. My poor husband, bless his heart, he was just like just standing there like, what do I do to help this woman? Oh, my God, she's so miserable. She's given up everything for me. He is the exact opposite because he moved so much as a child. He keeps very little. Mm. He, he doesn't, he tends not to hang on to things. And so as a result of being, coming from a family that my, the house my mom and dad moved into after they got married is the house I grew up in. She only just moved out of it a few years ago. And we kept everything to uh, being with someone who doesn't keep things. I'm, I've landed right in the middle and I've gotten really good at, no, this is meaningful to me. I don't just like it. It has meaning to me. And there was a show called uh, uh, Collection Intervention on Sci-Fi. And uh, I, it, it, thankfully, it was on Sci-Fi as I was still grappling with, with missing all this stuff. And the thing is, that thing that you have, and you have it just because you like it. You like it. You think it's cool. Great. Someone would love it. They yeah. would feel fortunate to have it. It would really make a difference to them, whereas you just like it. Yep. Get rid of it. Release it into the world. You're spreading joy and happiness that Mm -hmm. way. That's awesome. That is a way better function for that thing that is in your house, taking up space just because, and, you know, giving it to somebody else. So I very much latched onto that. I don't feel compelled to hang on to gaming stuff anymore. I don't, like, yeah, I I have it, and I played it, and that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Because unless, like... Something like Horizon Zero Dawn, speaking of endings, the reveal in that story is so good. The game was so good. Like, just looking at the package brings me back to that point. But, you know, something that I just, like, well, Dying Light? Yeah, great game. Loved it. Do I need to hang on to that for the rest of my life? Nope. Not at all. Uh, So I want to just say this immediately. Dave, I don't even give you a full year before you purchased a PlayStation 2 or a new PlayStation 2. No, that's absolutely true. I don't yeah, give, yeah. You don't make it even 12 fucking months. I give you maybe 10 months at the outside. I give you until the Death Stranding release date is announced. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> so, like, we're going to get to... Okay, I'm just going to put... Fine, here it is. I guarantee you that either at PSX in December or at the goddamn Game Awards in December, old Jeff Keeley's going to give you a little old release date announcement and your itch to play Metal Gear Solid 2 is going to be so intense that you will buy new hardware to play it. it, 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 it even if it's just a Vita the, TV. The, the, there are... I, no, I still have that. But no, the Vita TV, that version doesn't... <laughs> Aww. <laughs> it doesn't work on the Vita that TV. That sucks. That's, that's uh, a shame. Yeah, no, but you know, I mean, like, there are emulators. There are emulators, yeah, sure. sure. You, sure, could, sure, you, sure, could, sure. you could spend, like, they made so many 
damn yeah. copies of that Metal Gear Solid 2 disc. Yeah. You could buy one off of eBay okay, and play but, it on your computer. But Death Stranding. He's right. Yeah. I'm just, I'm putting... They said <laughs> when they announced that studio that the game was going to come to PC as well. Okay. I don't know if that's true anymore because they're using Sony's engine. Oh, Dave, you're doomed. <laughs> I, no, I, I'm, I just, I'm fucking with you. I'm no, I, you. I know that, I, and, and like that—that that temptation is gonna be real. Right. Look, Dave. But, Dave, here's the thing: if they re- if they announced a new Viva Pinata was coming out, I would buy whatever the fuck it yeah, ran. Whatever on. it runs on. Whatever it runs on. What I and would not feel the least bit ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. So you do but, you. But like, I don't know. Maybe at that point, it becomes. What if I wait in like two years and sure. the PS5 sure. or whatever sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and true. get it yeah. on the cheap yep. yeah. and, and do that? Like, I don't need to be that guy who has to have everything yeah. immediately. And like, I, I've been going through my criterions too, like you said, Susan. It's just like, do I want these because the, I just like having yeah. them and they look nice on my shelf and I'm going to watch them once and they'll just sit there yeah. like forever? I got film struck. I can watch these just fine on, on like stream. Yep. I have the ones that I like like i'm gonna i'm not getting rid of seven samurai i'm not getting rid of my zatoichi box set but yeah like, yeah i don't know it's just i just it sucks because i mean like that's capitalism right there's just too much shit out there <laughs> yeah. not enough money well, yeah and i like a lot of stuff yeah, the other the, i mean but I, I have a i have a unique perspective in this conversation because i i am the still collector of our trio yeah I feel like I should send you all my PS2 and GameCube games. I would love that. <laughs> I would, it, would make me, it would make me so happy. I would get a call from Kate. I, Susan, what are you doing to me? I would. I would. But, I mean, and, and we, we've we talked about this on the show before. I'm, I'm very candid about this. And you guys have heard me use this metaphor a thousand times before. But I consider collecting like the care of a bonsai tree. Or a garden. Sure. Um, I like collecting physical objects. Like, I have a video game collection. I have a collection of vinyl records. I have a pretty sizable library of books. Like, I was raised by a collector and collect myself. And I find great pleasure in the pursuit and the, uh, the archaeological aspect of collecting, especially... But at the exact same time, I find clutter and waste mm, to be the most yeah. nauseating things in the world besides cruelty. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it, it is a constant process of I, I consider, you know, my time with anything that I collect Im- impermanent. Either I'm going to die and these things are going to pass on to my family or I'm going to part with them at some point. You know, I at various points, I I like to there's a used record store uh, in my town that is great. And I'm on really good terms with the people that work there. And I'll get to a point where I'll take 10 records that I've purchased and trade them in for and people will say to me, like, oh, my God, you know, you're, they're ripping you off. You're getting a fraction of the money that you spent on these things. And my, like, I exchanged my resources for time. That's what I, I purchased time. 
I purchased mm-hmm. an experience that I valued and was edified by. And I consider, like, you know, my, my game collection is a thing that I keep and I curate because I, I do still use it professionally. And mm-hmm. I also like having these things to maintain my relationship with the medium, my my life as an artist, and also I maintain these things in the event that my child is interested in them. I want mm-hmm. them to be there. Because the thing that inspired me the most as a young person was going to libraries, haunting the horror aisle of a video store, going into the attic of my godmother, and flipping through the garbage pile of comic books that were all cut up by her sons in the 60s. Time is fascinating to me. Time is uh, a rich well. And if you don't have that relationship, if those things are just sitting in your house, taking up space, fucking get rid of them. Get rid of them. I'll tell you guys, right now, I'm selling my quiet action figure. I don't need to look at quiet. What? I'm selling it. I'm selling it. It's on eBay as we speak. I don't. Oh my God. I don't need to see quiet on my desk anymore. That's fine. I want a neater desk. I want a clearer desk. So quiet can go. So that I can use the funds to purchase another lightning. No. <laughs> <laughs> a third friend a third friend another friend um but yeah dave like i i i find it fascinating to hear that you're having one of these moments because i i, I think that anybody who really loves media and really loves uh, like any sort of art form goes through this cycle of of cleansing you know i don't even want to use the terms binge and purge because it's not like that oh yeah you know? don't uh but you know uh you just recently i think two or three episodes back were telling us about the fact that you purchased a Wii, and we're so excited yeah. by the prospect of digging back into that system and re-experiencing that so i think I don't... but he's re but he's re-experiencing it with his kids exactly. which is such a different yeah. yeah you're you're going back to an experience not Saying, yeah. like, I need to have everything. Because if I don't have right. everything, then I'm not... I don't know. I'm not doing I'm not it. Right. I don't, if I don't own a physical copy of Funky Barn for the Wii U, my Wii U collection's not You're complete. not real pro gamers! I, I, have, <laughs> I have a friend who spent $120 on a copy of Hello Kitty Kart Racing for Wii U. $120. Okay, I would have done that. I'm not going to lie. I, w- I would have because just the concept. I wanted a Hello Kitty Dreamcast more than life itself. Oh, those are tight. They tight. were so awesome. I wanted one. Yeah, but but I doubt your friend is no, has quite the same relationship he's never with Hello Kitty. Play it. He's never going to play it. It's going to be in the shrink wrap. Oh. It's going to be in a closet for all of time. See, and like I've never been that person either with my stuff. Like I've never been the kind of person to like. Like I like when I got the uh, the Kira action figures, like I got Canada uh, and and the bike. I'm like I'm not leaving these in packaging. Yeah, no, screw that. I'm gonna open them up, and Canada's gonna do sick jumps off this thing, and it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, dog. Like like I don't know. Things are meant to be experienced, and then once you're done experiencing them, let someone else have yeah. a turn. And I think that's yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard. 
because it is hard because I've been I've always been the person that's like oh, I gotta have all the consoles and like yeah I get rid of them when I'm I'm done but like even just to be the kind of person is like what if I had one console yeah and it was like the switch. and it was the switch why not mm. like do I need I don't know we'll we'll find, we'll find out, out. <laughs> you I mean you you the answer you is don't you don't if you if you have a a gaming PC I do not. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I have a PC, or I have a PS4, I have a Switch, I have a 3DS, and I have an iPad. Oh, covered. You know? Yeah, honestly, it would take it would take a lot for me to consider another PlayStation or an Xbox right now. Like, unless it's, a, unless yeah. it's for the purpose of work. I, right. I you know, the, the, the impetus of getting one of those things to me... Especially, like anything, another five hundred dollar box. I'm not doing like... it, man. I'm not. Um, I'm just not. Uh, everybody, this very adult conversation <laughs> <laughs> has been brought to you by you. Uh, we are a viewer, listeners, like listeners you. like you. Uh, Laura Linney will now tell you about tote bags for your donation. <laughs> um. You, we are a Patreon-supported podcast, and we have some thank yous for our uh, our our backers. Our backers over at patreoncom slash podcast. Here we go. We got Mirko Rico Torino, Ryan Brady, John, Nick Rugen, Double Taco, Yaddle, Gluttony One of Seven, Peter, Ryan Mance, Ponza, Jason Ariola, Matthew Peters, Michael Coffey, Chris Stubbs, Thierry Belair. Eric Van Quill, Olmec, The Fancy Manatee, Denton Brock, Elio Dare, Logan Paul, Pauly, Ludwig Kitzman, Stormshot, Francisco Arias Guimaraes, Kalen Houston, Axel Olsen Mangholt, Tyler Nelson, Shane Nelson, Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Skip Dippity, Tim Chesson, Jose Bullet Bobon Cordova, Daniel Squire, Tom, Derek Sanskrit, and Damian Nicholas. Thank you guys so much. You are you are the greatest people of all time. Uh, sure. everybody, we're going to have an announcement about this, uh, in our Discord and on our Twitter, uh, handle for the Continue Podcast, which is at Continue Pod, but we just recently ran into, uh, a little hiccup where all of a sudden we dipped back below our $750 range, uh, of backers, uh, $750 a month which was our limit for making a weekly podcast. We are back there now. However, the unfortunate reality is that because of the nature of all three of our professional lives, we are not able to do the show on a consistent weekly basis anymore, and it's a purely a scheduling issue. It is not because we don't love you and don't want to be doing this. Uh, you know, before, uh, Susan and Dave... Both worked at the same location, and Susan was the boss, and it was easier for us to coordinate these things. Uh, so for the time being, we're going to be going back to a bi-weekly show. However, we want the $750 tier for all the people that have backed us over Continue's first year to still be a rich reward for you. Whether that's uh, unique one-off content, or regular content, or something. However, we want you to tell us what it is that you want so dm us 
uh, at ContinuePod, send us a direct message, or send one of the three of us a direct message on Twitter, and let us know what you would like to see at this tier. Uh, I'll also, uh, I'll post, uh, I'll put a post up in the Patreon uh, page that you can leave comments on too, if that's easier for you as yeah. well. Uh, yeah, whichever way you, uh, we, we, wanna, we want to hear your feedback, we want to make this show really good for you folks and like it's just it's it's gotten to the point like you know we all have our our lives are circling weird orbits right now and we we want this to be the best it can be uh for you especially those of you who are giving us money for for doing yeah, the show yeah so. so let us know in the meantime you can follow us on twitter you can leave us a review on itunes which helps us get new listeners all the time for this magical thing and dave who's getting a free video game for leaving us a review free video game uh for video game. Uh, for leaving us a review on itunes or sharing uh our content on twitter and tagging us at continue pod the winner of this week's free game contest is at lunar jade on twitter tight so yay, yay. hit me up i got i got some steam codes uh, kicking around so let me know Dave's got those steam codes for you everybody in the meantime we will be back in two weeks uh, if you would like to follow me elsewhere on the internet follow me at a John Agnello and other places that I can talk about soon Susan Ooh, what? Whoa, other places <laughs> mystery ladies and Intrigue. gentlemen I took a job at Breitbart what <laughs> Oh God, <laughs> Jesus there Christ! I'm their new. Wow. I'm their new sports reporter. I'm doing. I'm going to horse races for them. Don't don't <laughs> die of a cocaine overdose on a toilet like the other day. Uh, anyway. Susan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Susan Arndt or every week at Pocket Gamer, where I tell you about mobile games that you should play. Dave. You can find me on Twitter at David Robots, and uh, I've been updating that uh, Letterboxd account, letterboxd.com slash David Robots pretty regularly. I just saw uh, The Seventh Seal the other day. That's a that's a beautiful film. That's a feel-good movie. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's it's sometimes you need to examine your soul. It, no, you Sometimes don't. you no, need to know no. where hey, those Bill and look, Ted references come from. Okay, well... All right, I'll give you that. I uh, when I was in high school, I dated a ridiculously pretentious guy who took me to a series of ridiculously pretentious movies uh, in the cinema, including That's The Seventh Seal. <laughs> see, I'm the kind of pretentious guy that, like, when I see the double feature on Filmstruck, which is The Seventh Seal followed by Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, oh, I'm no, like, that works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hook me up with that. Both of those. No, see, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Dave, is is it David Robots? Letterbox.com yeah. slash David Robots. Yes. Huh. It's, I'm, I can't. It says the site can't be reached. Um, it's B O X D. X. You know what? Everybody will. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will see it. It's two it's weeks. it's one of it's one of those this internet not, names. This is not good radio. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in two weeks, everybody. Hey, what's your account? <laughs> this is this is like when two people are on Twitter, like giving directions to each no. other. I'm at the I'm building at, now. It's red. Go inside, Where are you at, bro. No, go inside. 
Don't at I me. I see you. I'm waving my hand. <laughs> 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 <laughs>